Hello and welcome everyone. Episode number 44 of the Friday Froster. So, Joe, if I say tender, what is the first thing that comes to your mind? Whittler. <laughs> <laughs> Probably because it rhymes and it sounds so oh. <laughs> The first thing that comes to my mind when I hear the word tender is like meat, when you're tenderizing it or something like that. That's tender, not tinder. <laughs> I think no, but tinder, I think money. Seriously, I do like the tinder, you know, anyway, yeah. <laughs> so now our people are starting already because Heather said the first thing she thinks of is cheater. <laughs> oh, so they just they're already on to us. So you know. <laughs> so Stephanie is here from Seattle again. Clarence, my man Clarence is here. We know that this is Clarence's favorite day of the week. So Clarence, we are so glad to have you here. And Garnell is here from Nassau. Good to see you, Garnell. Thomas. Thomas says, howdy, from warm Houston. Rub it in. See, wasn't it cold last Friday when you were the guest, Thomas? And now you have sent that to Denver, Colorado, because it just started <laughs> going at my house. So thanks, Thomas. I appreciate that. Now, Pozo is here from cold NYC, of course, <laughs> from cold NYC. Now, Joe with the E, still showing up as LinkedIn user, but I cheat, kind of like our story yeah. today. That's how I know that this is Joe with the E. <laughs> I'm glad, Joe. Oh, and yes, Danielle's in Colorado with me. She says it's about to snow. Danielle, it's snowing where I am. So Debbie's in, in Denver. Uh, everybody's getting ready to get hit by snow here again. Amy Hughes from Michigan says it's 11 degrees there. And yeah, Debbie is here. Hey, Debbie. Man. Okay. Amy wins the cold prize. 11 is a, is a little chilly for me. Thank goodness. Yeah. Yeah. At 34 here. So. All right, guys. So episode 44, the tender swindler, you've all seen it. But before we even get to that, let me point out some things to you guys. Check this out. You see over in the right-hand corner, Great Women in Fraud? You guys need to check out that podcast because it's a very good podcast. But the other thing you should check out is, ooh, what is that? Becoming the Everyday Ethicist. Okay. I wonder who's the author of that book. I've heard it's a really good book. Do you know the author, Joe? I you better have read that book, Robert. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I I love it because did you guys notice I changed up my background uh, material here for our, our event today, our podcast? So... I don't have my book displayed. So thank you, Robert, for making sure my book is still displayed. <laughs> but the other thing that I want to tell you all about is my book, Ask, Get, Perform. So look, one of the reasons that I'm showing this off for you guys is because you want to see some good information, things that are coming up, things that we're working on or people who are advertising with the show. It's going to be right there in that lower right-hand corner. So what I'm also signaling you guys to know is if you would like to advertise on the show, just email me call me something i mean send me a message carry a pigeon however you want to send it because we are here for you guys with the best audit talk around now <laughs> oh, oh danielle yeah it's headed your way mm -hmm. and wendy is here wendy what's happening wendy is where it's warm too wendy's in jacksonville florida now joe 51 degrees man it's coming to you guys real soon joe it's coming to you guys real soon you know what so let, let's talk about this whole Tinder thing because 
you know, the whole, which way do you swipe if you like somebody? Is it right or left? I have no idea. I think it's right, but I don't remember. Okay, and yes, so. full disclosure, I was on Tinder once. <laughs> Very scary thing. It was so scary, you went ahead and got married. You were like, wait a minute, no. That's right. I know, I know. Who is that yelling at me? Probably Joe. He's probably yelling it is at Joe me. with the E saying, no. Okay, so look, if you guys have not seen it, there is this documentary on Netflix. It came out on February the 2nd, and it's called The Tender Swindler. So, you know, you know what? Instead of me just talking about it, why don't we just show you all the trailer? Because this thing is pretty unbelievable what the young man did and what he got caught doing. So why don't we just play a little trailer for you guys so that you can see what happened with your own eyes. And hopefully I got this volume thing right and everyone can hear the sounds. So let's check it out. You can find a bit of everything. Right, one little swipe can change your life. When I first talked with Simon, immediately we had a bond. He was smart and funny and very impulsive. I shared my whole heart with him. And then he asked me if I wanted to travel with him on a private jet. I was like, shit. He took me to a five-star hotel. He said we had a special connection. It felt like stepping into a movie. And then in the middle of the night... He said there was something he wants to tell me. He said he has threats against him. He needs our cash. $20,000, His life depended on me. That's when police tell me. The man I love was never real. Everything's a lie. Who is this guy I've been sharing the same bed with? Then I get these threatening messages. We have no idea what he's capable of. It's just been freaking hell on this CTO. But we needed to get payback. We don't know how far this conspiracy actually goes. Just the tip of the iceberg. We had one chance to swindle the dinner swindler. You want the problem? You're gonna pay for it. All right, so Mr. Tender Swindler, what he would do is he would meet these young ladies on Tinder and then he would take them on these whirlwind first dates. And these first dates would be on private jets, yachts, things like that. And so he would really woo them because they thought that they had found them a rich man. And then after he had wooed them for a sufficient amount of time, well, he would then start asking them for money. And it all started off the same, right, Joe? He would say, my bodyguard is in trouble. Mm -hmm. I, so here, full disclosure, we're going to give some spoilers. So hopefully that's okay with everybody on here that hasn't seen it. Um, but yes, I mean, to he was literally sending the same messages, the same pictures of things that were happening to girls all over the world. 
So there, I'll, I'll try to be a little vague about it, but yes, uh, the bodyguard picture just killed me. Yeah. So, so let's just say he would, um, have an emergency mm -hmm. happen where he needed some money and he would lean on these women for money to the point where he would even ask them to open up credit cards in their name so that he could use them. But he was supposed to be this jet setting millionaire whose assets were frozen for some reason or another, or who had some super villains coming after him for some reason or another. Yeah, it's so hard, you know, all of us, especially me as a female, you know, to say, I mean, why would they do this? Right? That's, that's, you know, but the, the one of the women, he was in a relationship for 14 months before he asked for money. That is you know, so, so you got to put yourself in their shoes. They really, truly thought they were in a relationship and he was very good at his job, uh, pretending that they were the only one. And so we're very quick to judge. We're very quick to victim shame in cases like this. Um, and I, I read all the reviews for this before I watched it. And it does go back and forth. People feeling bad for the, for the women and then people saying they were gold diggers. They should have known better. They should have seen the red flags like the yachts and the, and the jet setting. And who really does go on a private plane with somebody they just met for coffee once? I mean, that's my question. But, so, I mean, anyway, go ahead. To, to Pozo's question, though, how did he know the ladies had money to give him? Look, there, there are ways to find out. There are ways to do proper vetting when you talk to someone, when you find out what they do for a living. Um, one, of them, one of them didn't even have that much money. So it wasn't even about them having money. They were taking out loans because they didn't have the money. I mean, the one gal took out over $250,000 in loans. So it wasn't about him even really screening the women for money. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I will say, so back to your point of victim shaming and going back and forth. Uh, okay, so they saw a man who could possibly provide some security. Mm -hmm. they, saw a man, they saw a man who could, yes, the security, but it's amazing. I almost call these women like serial tender, 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 there we go again, serial tender daters because yes. they are they are constantly looking for guys with this lifestyle that they are aspiring for so it's like they're kind of looking for trouble in a little bit and you know and again i don't want to get yelled at for victim shaming but you know this was they were they were just looking for a lifestyle so whether yeah. that was money or just you know looking for guys in new york visiting for the weekend i mean that's they were looking for that yeah. Well, the other thing I will say is if you watch the documentary, though, especially that first woman, when they recount the story, you can tell that she still had nostalgic memories because she was smiling the entire time. And that caught me off guard because I was like, whoa. Now, I'll tell you the second thing that caught me off guard, too. And if we just heard it in the uh, <laughs> we just heard it in the, the, the trailer where they said, now it's time for payback. Here's what I will say. These are victims, but they aren't 100% victims. They can't be really, really good upstanding people because a good upstanding person would say, I'm seeking justice. They were seeking payback. So you have to watch what people say and how they say it. But Thomas says, was he hot? 
No, he had a lot of money, man. He wasn't <laughs> wasn't necessarily a good looking guy. He just had a lot of money. Let's just be honest about that. I mean, well, I don't know. Joe was he a good looking guy? Not, not in my opinion. <laughs> um, I think, yeah, that one in that instance, money probably spoke louder. I mean, he wasn't terrible looking. Let's. Well, his money was hot. I mean. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, he so he said. I don't think this is giving too much away. He his name. He said he was an heir to a diamond empire, right? And you could actually look up who his dad was. He went as far as to Photoshop a picture of him with the guy, you know, who's the diamond guy. So, I mean, he took it pretty far, but literally, you know, at one point in the documentary, he's broke because essentially it's, it was a love Ponzi scheme. You know, really he was, you know, he was taking money from one girl to spend it on the next girl. And then he would, you know, the months would go by and then he'd do it to that girl. And, and so, I mean, really, I, it is the epitome of a love Ponzi scheme. Maybe that's a new fraud hashtag. Well, hashtag for Kelly. Love you know, that actually is a good hashtag. Yeah. Love yeah, Ponzi fraud scheme. Ponzi scheme. So, yeah. So, Pozo, Pozo says, uh, Joe Love may be priceless, but people <laughs> like to live well. <clears throat> I know. And then, to you, Thomas, the money was gorgeous. The man was not a handsome man, but the money was gorgeous. And my man, Chris Hennessy, has just entered the room. Chris, what is happening, my man? So, all right. So, Tinder Swindler, this man would woo these women for a period of time, and after he wooed them for a period of time, would ask them for money and say, I'm in trouble. Many of the women took out loans. Some of them, one lady delivered him cash, $50,000 in cash. Mm -hmm. And that was the first young lady. The first young lady, if you, when you watch the, um, the documentary, the first young lady, they spent about an hour talking to her. She had the most evidence. She had the most everything. But she's also the one, if you watch her, she's the one who's still smiling in the end. You can see her recalling the memories with him. And she has this smile on her face. But but the problem truly is that, um, what, what are they calling it now, Joe? Cyber love fraud? Or what is it called? The term we're using for it now? Um, uh, the romance scams? Yes. Or, or, yeah. Yeah. The romance scams are like a multi-billion dollar fraud industry in the U.S. Um, yeah, Forbes this morning in the Forbes Daily Dozen, one of the, the 12 Daily Dozens was that $1 billion was lost to romance scams in 2021 alone. $1 wow. billion. This is big business. Big business. I'll say it's big business. Well, and the other thing, too, I don't know. If, uh, Joe, if you remember one of our episodes of this show, we talked about over in the UK where there was a romance scam and over there, the banks could possibly have to reimburse the victims of romance scam. So while that's relevant to us over here in the US, especially us fraud, audit and compliance folks is, are we going to see that kind of law come over here soon? Well, yeah, and that, I mean, good. Thank you for this uh, segue into my book club for February because, you know, we're talking about the book System Error where big tech went wrong, but it is all about the big companies, big social media companies like Facebook and the Googles of the world and the regulations. They talk a lot in the book about the regulations in the, the EU and, you know, how they're kind of seen as the 
the, the social media regulators per se, and is that necessary here? So we're going to actually dive into that tech ethics topic a lot, February 28th, if anybody, I know Joe's signed up, Joe with an E signed up, um, and I think maybe a couple other people on here, so. Wait, so how can we sign up for that? Okay, well, cpebookclub.com, and it's at the top of the the webpage, um, February 28th at 11 my time, so Mountain Time, Denver Time. Uh, It's going to be be probably one of the most controversial book clubs I've had because this is such a hot topic, and I'm going to, you know, refrain from really giving a lot of opinions, but I want the, the authors of the book, there's three authors, and they're they just do a really great job of presenting all the sides. And so that's what I'm going to do because I want everybody to see what they think. So anyway, but great segue there, Robert, because, you know, things like banks needing to reimburse, the social media companies being responsible, like Tinder being responsible when a romance scam happens on their platform. I mean, these are things we've got to start thinking about. Yeah. These are definitely things that risk audit and compliance professionals need to think about because we want to be forward looking with our auditors, especially with our uh, clients. Sorry. For those of you who work for banks or for those of you who work for fintech companies, I don't know if you're here, Dana, today. These kind of laws may be coming down the pike real soon for us, because I remember the one story we did. One young lady was out of several hundred thousand dollars and she appealed to her bank and they denied it. And then eventually the bank, uh, the other regulators made the bank pay her back the money that she lost because she wired some funds to someone who was scamming her online. Mm-hmm. Really interesting. And, I, you know, I think the, the one girl that you were talking about, didn't they say she took out nine different loans with nine different financial institutions? And I mean, some of those were across the UK. So it's interesting. They didn't talk about that in the Tinder Swindler Swindler specifically. Um, Like you said, they talk, they really present more of the payback that the girls did to get back at him versus any, you know, regulatory or real justice. So. Yeah. Yeah. So the other thing that's happening with this and how this can be affected and why we need to be concerned with this is the FBI in the U.S. has gotten involved because some people are using the prospect of love to launder money and to use people as what they're calling money mules. Um, So you're probably wondering what in the world is a money mule and what in the world am I talking about? Well, I'm glad you asked, my friends, because I'm going to show you another video directly from the FBI and what happened to a young lady who was, well, looking for love in all the wrong places. She found it all right. It just wasn't what she thought it was. So check this clip out, you guys, and, and we'll talk about it in just a second when we come back. My name is Glenda, and I'm 81 years old. In 2014, I met the love of my life online, and he told me that he was a U.S. citizen and was working in Nigeria. He asked me for money to help with his business and help leave Nigeria. Then my love had people send me electronics, like cell phones, so I could pawn them and send him the money. 
when I couldn't get the money that he wanted, he asked me to open personal and business bank accounts. Since 2015, bank employees, local police officers, and federal agents told me that my love was a scam and that I needed to stop or I could go to jail. I didn't listen to anyone else but my love, the love I've never seen nor spoken to. Now I don't have a choice of whom I'll listen to. On November the 2nd, 2021, I pled guilty to two federal felonies. I'll be listening to the judge now. Now, I think this one is particularly uh, sad because later in life, she was trying to find love and what she found was a user and now she is um, going to be spending time in jail because she wouldn't listen to anyone but the person that she thought was in love with her. Isn't that so sad that she just kept calling him my love like over and over again? It was just heartbreaking. Yeah, yeah. Mr. Gupta says they made a business of emotions. Yeah, they did. They made an entire business of emotions. Um, Heather says she doesn't understand how people fall for these scams. Well, Heather, I think it's because not everyone are auditors like like us. Because I know you wouldn't fall for it, Heather. But there are some people that really would. I mean, she was pawning cell phones and getting the cash and sending him the money. And then she started doing other things, wiring him money. And he would send her checks and she was cashing them. So... She was participating in money laundering. I mean, she was she was doing a lot of things for him. She was probably selling stolen property because I'm sure those cell phones were stolen. And you heard her say, my love, a man that I never, ever met. Mm -hmm. um, and I think, I mean, to me, it's just, it's listening to your heart over your mind. And I mean, at some point she was making a choice, even though she probably very much knew what, was happening and I mean she says she just didn't listen to them didn't listen to them I mean who knows what he was saying uh, you know in the other ear but you know at some point you know she was just making a choice because she was she was getting some satisfaction from him that she was getting nowhere else and that took precedent and I mean that's that's when sadly you know our hearts do overtake our minds now from our standpoint as professionals, what can and or should we do to kind of look out for these things? And I'll tell you guys a story. I worked for uh, this, this university in Jacksonville, Florida, really great place to work. And um, the University of North Florida, I was the chief auditor there. And I remember I was just sitting at my desk one day and the controller, Valerie, she's top notch. Just, she's still there, she's gotten promoted. This woman is awesome. I remember she came into my office one day and she said, hey, Robert, I want to run something by you. And anytime you hear that as a chief auditor, you're just like, oh, God, what happened? Thankfully, with her, though, she didn't come to you after stuff had already happened. She would come and talk to you before things happened. Here's what was happening. She said, hey, we got some students from Nigeria 
our tuition is, and I'm going to make up a dollar amount. Our tuition is $10,000, but they're sending a check for 20 and they want us to deposit the difference in the student's account. She said, what do you think about that? I said, I think that sounds like potential money laundering to me. She said, yeah, that's what it sounds like to me too. So we talked about it and she handled the situation. But that brings up the question though. When you see things like that at organizations, what is or what are our responsibilities to guard against that? So for banking institutions that saw this woman coming in with a lot of checks that were made out to her, but were from Nigeria, and she was only keeping some of the cash and some of it was being transferred out of her account very quickly. Could you use, where is Trent when you need him? Something like data analysis to look at your accounts in your bank to see that activity and are you or will you soon be obligated to do things like that as an organization? Well, uh, I, I love the fact that she said the banks warned her. The banks, the police, the special agents, right? She went through that list. I'm not saying the right list, but she started with banks. And that actually made me happy that somebody did notice that she was doing this at the bank level. Because as of right now, I think we all know that, I mean, they have some responsibility right? They've got their SARS, their suspicious activity reports that they're supposed to be filling out. However, that was one of the top frauds of 2020 that that wasn't happening, that they found billions of dollars going to terrorist organizations and others because the banks weren't doing what they were supposed to be doing. Um, but, you know, I'm a huge believer in fiduciary responsibility. So I think it's great that this, whatever bank she uses clearly did try to warn her. Now, I think this is awesome. Leslie says that they would have stopped it at the teller line. Yep. Great. Leslie, that's awesome. She works for a great bank. Yeah. Yeah. Now, Heather says that uh, she watched the Nat Geo show Traffic. I haven't seen that one. I have to check that out. And that's yeah. enough to make me look twice at someone. And then Clarence, my man, Clarence saw on the net today where an 80-year-old nun stole $830,000 from a Catholic school where she served as the principal to fund her vacations to Vegas and Lake Tahoe. Clarence, we actually talked about that on one episode. We did that one. Yep. Yep. That we did one. that one. Yep. That was crazy. <laughs> yep. There's so many good stories. <laughs> oh, wait. Heather must remember that show because she said, hey, they did that on Friday Froster. Look at that. Yeah. Look, we are ahead of the curve. We're ahead of the news cycle. Look at that. <laughs> that's right. And sadly, that's not the only one. That's not the only case of the nuns gone wrong. So, you know, <laughs> we talk about this all the time. <laughs> Who do we watch out for? Well, they don't always look like your typical fraudster. So keep that in mind. Yeah, sometimes it's a sad case of nuns on the run. I'm telling you. It's, <laughs> it's like the... Was that the slogan for that episode? I don't remember. <laughs> it was, I think. It's like it's like the Catholic Bunny and Bonnie and Clyde. Oh, and what about the the latest Bitcoin Bonnie and Clyde? So we, I mean, we might have to do an episode on them. That's quite the the pair. I'm sure uh, Joe with an E knows has been reading about that one. Oh, now Stephanie says that. Uh, she's seen quite a few people over the last four years applying for loans for sweetheart scams. Oh, man. So what do you do when you see that, though, Stephanie? Can you do you try to talk to them and warn them? And do they ever listen? Have you ever been able to talk anyone out of it? That's a whole lot that I just asked. And she's trying to type right now, probably. But <laughs> great questions. I mean, really, it's like what 
you know, unless you have the legal authority to stop the transaction, I mean, if the person is lucid and doesn't have any sort of mental illness, which is a whole nother layer of this, by the way, uh, which we probably don't want to get into, but you know, how can you really legally stop someone from wanting a loan for something? I don't, at this point, you know, I look at that sad 81 year old woman and it's like, she made a choice to keep doing this. Like she, you know, so crazy. You know, and okay. So you guys, episode 44, Friday Froster. Swipe right is tender ripe for swindlers. Okay. We made this kind of a fun show before Valentine's day, but in all seriousness, are we somehow liable for the acts of others when our customers and or clients are swindled, especially for the financial institutions? And will we at some point in the near future be held responsible because we know that over in the EU, they are. Banks are held responsible if certain criteria are met and they, they've laid it out clearly in the law, but if certain criteria are met, certain financial institutions can be responsible if their customers get swindled in the romance scams that are out there. Now, Stephanie is saying that sometimes they listen, sometimes they don't. The financial crimes department had the ability to stop applications and withdrawals. Oh man, that is, wow. Crazy. That is crazy. Now, Stephanie is saying she doesn't believe that the, the organizations should be liable. The banks should be liable. Uh, Leslie's saying absolutely to something I'm not really sure what, but um, but yeah, that's the big question though. Should we be liable as organizations? Will we be forced to be liable uh, from a from a regulation standpoint? So anybody who's watching this or listening to the replay on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Google, wherever you're listening to us on your favorite podcasting platform, after you've given us a five star review, what you need to do next is go and have a talk with legal counsel, your governance person, if you have a GRC person, your compliance person, your HR person, you guys need to have a powwow and get together because this is an emerging risk that could pose a threat to your organization. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I can't, uh, my background uh, as the internal audit director was at a retirement company. So, you know, what are the responsibility for People who are, you know, taking early withdrawals from their 401ks, their retirements for something like this. I mean, it, romance scams could hit not just banks, insurance. I mean, you know, annuities, all of these different financial products that they could start targeting. That's what hackers did. I mean, bank accounts got, you know, easy and they were doing that all the time. Then they started going after people's 401ks and those other nest eggs that they have. So, I mean, this, this goes further than just banks. Yeah, this is very serious. Now, Pozo asked a good question. What if people fake a swindle to get over on the banks? That's always possible, too. Mm -hmm. um, this one is disturbing from Heather. I never thought about this. She said that what's sad is that people in other countries, per the show she watched, think that they are old money because of previous colonialism, and it's our way of paying them back. Mm. That is insane. That is a... That's what we call a rationalization in ethics, right? I mean, this is why people cheat and steal from their employers because they don't think they're getting paid enough. Um, and that's your typical ethical rationalization on the fraud triangle. 
Oh, wow. Why, yeah, it, it is insane. Now, to answer the question Pozo asked about what if people fake swindle the, to get over on the banks, Stephanie says that people have tried. Sometimes they actually are successful. So there you go. But I guess it's like car insurance, right? You have people who try to scam car insurance companies, and sometimes they are successful, and other times they aren't. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I think about we had a um, someone try to use my husband's debit card recently, uh, and um, obviously immediately called and had the card, you know, deactivated. Whatever, all of the stuff we should have done, um, but they reimbursed us immediately. You know, I mean, so think about all the people out there that are trying to defraud the banks, the credit card companies by making purchases, saying it wasn't them, getting their money back. I mean, fraud's a big game. We know this. There are people, I've worked in retail, there are people who buy or, or steal the clothes and then come back to return them to get that money back, right? Like, yeah. There's all sorts of ways that people do this. I mean, people make a living out of this stuff. So, I mean, we, yeah, we could go on. Yeah. Now, Stephanie says she had a customer clean out their 401k cash, advance their credit cards for almost $200,000 to a romance scam. So sad. And she says he did not listen to multiple warnings. So in the end, the bank closed his account. Now, did they close it before it? Never mind. I, I'm wondering, did they close it before it hit zero? And then, you know, he had to just draw the money out and maybe do whatever he wanted to do. But and it's weird when you see the train coming, right? You see it just coming at you and you can't do anything because these people won't listen, won't listen. Like the lady in the clip we just showed, she got warned multiple times over a span of several years. And now she's going to prison because she just wouldn't listen. And you know, here's what's interesting, too. The FBI actually gave her a warning. Like they told her to stop. They didn't just come and arrest her. Okay. And you still kept going. <laughs> Right. I mean, don't you wonder how she got that pass? I mean, she was a nice looking 81 year old <laughs> white female. I, I don't know. I did actually have that same thought, too, because, you know, any other money mule would not have gotten a warning. Exactly. That That's that's my point. Exactly. Yeah. Any other money mule would have been in jail immediately right off the bat. And Stephanie said that they gave him what he had left. Yeah, that, that's good. I, I mean, so that's that's an example of a bank really mitigating the risk and trying to help the customer. And when the customer didn't want the help that they were trying to give, you got to say goodbye to the customer. That's right. Yeah, it, it is about, I mean, at that point, you know, obviously I'm all about doing things the right way and doing things. I mean, that is the proactive. Yes. Are you going to lose out on a customer? Yes. Are you going to lose out on the fees you might get from that customer? or whatever else, yes, but they chose to do the right thing. And not enough businesses do that. So props, props to the bank. So the bank broke up with the customer. That's right. <laughs> Can you believe, I mean, wow. That's, I mean, that's, that's unusual in corporate America, so. Yeah, well, all right, guys. Uh, episode number 44 of the Friday Froster. Swipe right. It's tender, ripe for swindlers. This has been a really good episode because I think for the first time, we kind of talked about a fraud, but we also talked about a potential fraud, a potential risk that may face us, that may face our organizations coming up pretty soon. 
So I really do want you guys to start talking about this with the executives in your organization. Now, I think this is Stephanie again. Uh, yeah, she said it's called de-risking. Oh. I've never okay. heard that. That's great. That it's yeah, me either. That, that's, that's pretty cool. I wonder how prevalent that is. We'll have to ask Dana. How prevalent is that in the banking industry? Now, Chris says, think how much time, effort, and planning goes into scamming and think how effective these people could be if they put their mind to something legal. We've said that several times, right? I mean, the smart fraudsters are the ones that get you. <laughs> I shouldn't be laughing at this, but Stephanie says apparently it doesn't pay as well. <laughs> so right, so right. All right, so thank you for joining us on this episode, you guys. Now, here's what I will say. If you like these episodes, Head on over to FridayFraudster.com. What you can do is sign up for our mailing list, but also you can get some CPE for watching some of the episodes. The CPE is very reasonably priced. It ain't free, you guys, but it's very reasonably priced. I think it starts at like seven or eight bucks and goes up to about 15 for about 30 minutes to one hour worth of CPE and a lot of entertainment, edutainment, if you will. So, <laughs> so go on over to the website and if you want to continue this conversation, you need to sign up for the book club. Go to cpebookclub.com. And I need to make sure I sign up for it because this is really going to be an interesting topic that is uh, basically a leading risk for us organizations coming up. And Joe is dropping that link into the chat. So click that link and we'll see you guys next week. Bye. Happy Valentine's.